When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. It's bad. It's so bad. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> Danielle, who's our first running back to talk about? We have Jonathan Taylor and his ankle. The overwhelming question with Jonathan Taylor. Running back, right? right? Not tight end. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> running actually, back, not tight end. She got it. She got it. Oh, guys, um, it's been a long day. <laughs> I, I totally get it. Uh, this is actually one of the players I'm really excited about heading into the season. Um, and there'll be maybe one or two others, not many. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was dealing with this nagging ankle issue all last season. I think may have even had an injury to that same ankle like a year or two prior. Um, ended up putting him in an IR toward the end of the regular season last year. So he had, which was good because he ended up having surgery early on, like beginning of January, which has given him plenty of time to recover. I haven't seen exactly what re- what surgical procedure he had done, but based on his history, what I can surmise is that he had some type of arthroscopic um, procedure with possibly a ligament reconstruction, which is pretty common for the type of issue he was dealing with, was what basically repetitive ankle sprains. He probably had some developed chronic underlying ankle instability. And the good news is that procedure is like, one of the few or not few, but one of several in orthopedics that are basically um, you've got a good chance of hitting it out of the park, so to speak. Uh, bouncing back from those procedures is very quick. Uh, the rehab is usually very aggressive. And this is another one of those procedures where I mentioned earlier when talking about Brock Purdy, where they will often use the internal brace device um, as part of that ligament reconstruction in the ankle as well. And that, again, essentially helps speed up the recovery, progress the rehab a lot quicker but also it provides like a stop check and protection of the ligament repair that's done during the procedure. So it's a, it's a great procedure. We do it a lot. We do, we, we are actually very quick to pull the trigger on that type of surgery. I'm kind of surprised he didn't have it sooner, but if that's what he had done looking forward, he should, he should have a bounce back year. Love it. Love the one I want to hear because I got Jonathan Taylor as my number four running back this year, banking on the idea that Anthony Richardson, if he's not the starter week one, will be the starter for the majority of the season, playing that Shane Steichen offense, doing what he did RPO-wise with the Philadelphia Eagles. No, it's not the same offensive line, but the touchdowns, the volume, and Jonathan Taylor being a way better running back than anything was on the Philadelphia Eagles last season. I'm big on Taylor this year, making a rebound higher than most. Danielle, are you with me or do you think I'm a little too high there? 
I'm high on him. However, I don't know if he's the first running back that I would look to choose in this year's draft. I think there's something about Bijan right now that is still like just tweaking well, me a Bichon little bit. I know he's a rookie, but okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because I overall am very high on Taylor. I think he's going to have a great season again. It might not be that crazy high season stats that we saw beforehand, but I think it's going to be pretty close to it. And I would not feel bad about drafting him at all. So if I'm looking for a running back and he's definitely available, I'm taking him. Well, who's our next two running backs? They can pretty much go hand in hand. We got Brees Hall in his ACL and then Javante Williams in his ACL. Lots of ACL injuries. Yeah. So they don't go hand in hand. <laughs> they don't go I, hand in hand. You do that just to drive Brian crazy. I know you do, but that's okay. <laughs> Listen, so I'll, I'll do Javante first. I'll go a little bit out of order. He He's a lot different. His procedure was much earlier, so he should be ready week one. Um, I don't see him um, having to go on IR or PUP to begin the season. I think he'll be activated. Um, he was already participating in like seven on seven stuff and individual drills like seven months out. So that's great. I mean, that's very encouraging to hear. Um, he hasn't yet been cleared to participate full team drills, 11 on 11. But um, and I think they'll probably bring him along a little slow in the preseason. But all things are pointing to him being ready. So for him, great news. Now, before I came on the show, I had to pump the brakes a little bit to everybody on Twitter world about Brees Hall because he was trending because they saw today, or I think today, that he was like clocked at going like 23 miles an hour during Jets camp. And I'm like, well, that's great. But A, he was probably running in a straight line. Uh, B, he's only about nine or 10 months out from surgery. I think surgery was in October or so. So he may even be less. And I, he's already been put on the pup list. So it tells me that, yeah, he, it may look good and it may sound good, but they're going to give him a lot of time to, to, to recover here. I don't anticipate that he will get much action at all in the preseason. And I think he'll end up starting the season possibly on the active roster, but I think we may see him get some limited action out of the gate. I don't think they're going to want him to miss all four weeks. So I don't think he's going to stay on pup or go on IR to begin the year. Um, now this is all barring any major setbacks, of course, but timing here is the big difference between the two. Yeah. It, with Brees Hall, I got him at 12. It's hard for me to move him down any lower than that. My hope is the Jets will be smart and not try to J.K. Dobbins him. And even though he didn't have, you know, Javante Williams, the one who had the similar injury to J.K. Dobbins, not Brees Hall. But the point being rushing him out if he's not quite ready. I, I'm with you. He got clocked at 22 miles an hour back in uh, May, I believe it was, when they had the OTAs then, too. Yes, it's a straight line. It's an important thing to know. A running back's never getting a chance to run in a straight line. If he could, that'd be great. But and especially with the ACL, because the main goal of that ACL, the main responsibility of the ACL ligament is to help stabilize the knee um, with rotational-type motions, which are basically what the biggest stress when you're doing pivoting, changing direction, cutting you know, jiving and juking on the field there. So, you know, straight line running is, is it's great to hear. Uh, sounds like he's coming along well, but uh, everybody just needs to pump the brakes a little bit. It's going to be a little bit wild before we really know where he's at. Yeah. He, on the other hand, though, if he's going to be active week one, we have seen consistently these guys in the second half of the season get back up to snuff. 
Yeah. And that's where Brees Hall has to be a top 12 running back, in my opinion, because he was on his way to being the number one running back overall with the performances he was putting on last season. And he wasn't even getting an elite bell cow level share of the workload at that point. And he was putting up those kind of performances. So he has to stay a top 12 for me. The guy that's more tricky to rank right now for myself is Javante Williams, because I got him at RB 27 because I have no idea if he's ever going to be ready this season. Will the Broncos be smart with him? Unlike Baltimore was with JK Dobbins. If they are, I do think he can still make a second half surgeons as well. But the problem is we saw it with Dobbins. He tries to come out there too early, gets banged up. Now all of a sudden we're left holding the table. We never really get the value that we're looking for out of the first place. So for me right now, I'm just not comfortable with drafting him anything more than RB3. Danielle, are you willing to roll the dice here based on Brian what Brian's saying? No, I am not. Um, I have also, I don't know why, I've just never been on the Williams train. I always have always thought like, eh, he's okay. And I've never been a firm believer in him as a running back. So add in this whole injury now, add in a little bit more complications. And I am just not on board the train. Maybe if he's still available and I really desperately need a third running back, then Sure, I'll grab him, but I'm not really looking to have him on my roster at all. And that's just probably because I'm a Williams hater, not to be mean, but I'm just not on the same train as Williams. So, no. I mean, you can make the argument that even when he was healthy, he was still having to share the workload with Melvin Corey. And that's a fair argument. I would yeah. point out that he's been crazy efficient with the touches he gets, but that maybe that doesn't go away because Sean Payton doesn't feature just one guy and he never had a 250 yard carry rusher ever, uh, even though as great as Alvin Kamara was. And I think that's what you're hoping for at Javante if he's in fact healthy who's our next running back we have tony pollard and his ankle we got brian cool yeah so he's another guy that i'm actually kind of high on um heading into this year um he had a fibula fracture um and it looked nasty and that was all the big talk about how nasty and hideous it looked on the field but to be honest uh if you're gonna fracture your ankle um having an isolated fibula fracture is not a bad way to go Brian's like, and, don't burn it off. You're going to do it. <laughs> bring it right off. Yeah, yeah, well, like, well. <laughs> now, the, the only caveat to that is that it sounds like he did um, also have what they call a high ankle sprain with it, which essentially means he tore some additional ligaments in the ankle while he fractured that uh, fibula bone. But again, this is one of those things where surgically speaking, this is a really tried and true procedure that we normally do for this. You know, you fix the fibula fracture. And then a lot of times we use a device called a tightrope, which is you guys may be familiar with from hearing about all the two his injuries back in college when he had tightrope procedures done on his ankles. Well, it's likely that Tony Pollard had the same thing. Um, and this is, again, a device that just helps stabilize an ankle, but it allows for a much quicker turnaround uh, rehab and recovery. So um, I don't think this is going to slow him down much, um, assuming that he didn't have any major setbacks during his rehab didn't have any other major structural injury to the ankle joint at the time of that fracture, then we should see him ready to go week one. We should see him pick up pretty much where he left off, if, if not feeling even maybe a little better, given the extra time of rest uh, on his overall uh, health. Yeah, he, he's an interesting one. Daniel, I'm going to ask you from this standpoint, Cowboys came out, they said they're not bringing back Ezekiel Elliott. So does that solidify Tony Pollard as an RB1 in your eyes? In my eyes, I see him becoming the RB1, and I think it should be a really good year for him if he is able to recover fully from the injury. Obviously, with what Brian just said, it is 
a little bit more complicated with the ankle sprain and the break as well. So definitely hoping for a fast and easy recovery for him there because I think he should be the RB1 for the Cowboys. And I think that it would be great for fantasy. And I've always been kind of back and forth on whether to take him or not. And I personally am very high on him this year, especially with that Ezekiel Elliott spot opening up. Yeah, I think that for me, that just confirms that they're probably thinking along the same lines as I am. They, I mean, obviously they know more. But the fact that they were willing to let Ezekiel walk and roll Pollard in the number one spot probably tells tells me that he's good to go. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Hey, what about uh, the next guy, Isaiah Pacheco, with all the fiasco going on around him lately? <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I'm pretty sure I heard the same same stuff that you heard. That originally he was going on the pup list, and then all of a sudden, boom, he suited up and practiced. And with no restrictions or limitations, which which is great. And, you know, from what I've read, he had shoulder and hand surgery in the offseason. Shoulder surgery was for labrum tear, supposedly. And the hand, it sounds like it was actually a wrist injury where he may have had what's called a scaphoid fracture, which had to be fixed. And to be honest, in as a running back, those two conditions and those two surgical procedures and rehabs are not all that terrible. Um, upper body stuff usually pretty solid recovery and rehab programs for those. Not, you know, if he's not a throwing athlete, this is not a throwing shoulder. It's not quite the same. Um, Being a running back, the recovery from this is pretty quick. The only thing it really might've done was kept him out of the gym and the ability to kind of work out his upper body for a long period of time, but it didn't affect his legs. He was able to condition. Um, So it, it shouldn't really be a huge deal. Okay, good. That's what I wanted to hear because it's already painted enough trying to figure out the Chiefs running back situation with the committee all spread out the way that it is. I mean, I am not discounting the fact that CH is still on the roster like everybody else is. We're like, oh, it's just Pacheco and Jeremy Kidd. I'm like, well, CH is still there. Like, yes, he was losing snaps when he was still healthy last season. Yes, I expect Pacheco to be the number one carrier and McKinnon being the number one pass catcher. But in that backfield, Clouds Lair can still take a little bit from both and just kind of limit that opportunity. So I didn't want to have to add on top of it like, oh, now I got to worry about Pacheco even playing. So I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Danielle, I have Pacheco as an RB3. Where are you at on him? I am agreeing with you completely. I think that that's a very, very fair place to put him. And I think if he ends up blowing our minds and becoming an RB2, that's awesome. But I think an RB3 is more like where he is standing right now based off of other running backs in the league and based off of what we've seen from him and his own talents. So I think that's a very fair placement, but you never know. Maybe he's going to surprise us and sneak on up to an RB2 spot. Well, and that's why I have him one spot ahead of David Montgomery right now, because my one caveat is he still has that upside if CH is not a thing, if they are done with him, because he is so bad in the red zone, and Pacheco does wind up just walking in for 10 touchdowns because he gets those goal line carries. I have that kind of built in, so I don't want to put him too low. I have him one spot ahead of David Montgomery because he does just have that little more upside in case things go, but don't forget CH is still on the roster. Who's our next guy? We have Najee Harris and his Liz Frank, right? Mm-hmm. Injury. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. there we go. <laughs> Want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. Yeah, you got it. Um, and uh, this injury dates back to last year. Um, in right before training camp, uh, he actually injured it, sat out quite a quite a while, heading into the regular season uh, to recover from this. Did not require surgery. They called it at the time a sprain, which is a lot different than the fracture 
which is what I kind of briefly talked about with um, Garoppolo. So he, you know, did he, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not come back and rush for like over a thousand yards last year, even I think with did. missing some time? Um, yeah, over a thousand yards. Yeah. So like that tells me that this probably wasn't that bad and they were probably just being a little extra cautious. Um, but anytime you see that that Liz Frank ligament has been injured, um, it's it's reasonable and and probably a smart idea that they sat him out as long as they did initially, because that is probably what I mean, I know that that's what allowed him to come back and be so productive. He, he re-aggravated it at one point during the season, but it didn't seem like it was anything serious. Uh, I don't see this as being a huge issue heading into this year. I don't either. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up because I wanted to bring up the fact that everyone's hating on Najee this year. Uh, right now, his ADP and FFPC is down towards the top 20, RB18, RB19. I got him all the way up at RB13. And with Brees Hall, I'm flirting with the whole idea of do I put him inside the top 12 or not. The big thing you got to take away is that, yes, he had a 3.9 yards per carry. And I wanted to bring that injury up for that reason. You had a terrible offensive line. You had a bum foot. And yet you still were fantasy productive. No, I am not worried about Jalen Warren coming in and taking a significant enough volume away. Mike Tomlin rides his guy. So I wanted Brian here to reaffirm to all of you yeah. that he is, in fact, 100% healthy and a better offensive line this season. Who's our last but not least running back, Danielle? Andre Miller and his knee injury. And this is a recent one that I was not yeah. expecting. Now, this... Correct me if I'm wrong here, too. This happened during the national championship game when he was with TCU, correct? That was the report. Yeah, we didn't yeah. know anything about it. And uh, I've seen the clips. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, on one particular play, he kind of got rolled up on his knee when he was being tackled. Uh, some reports said it was an MCL injury, but then other reports said it was a meniscus injury. Um, and I believe he actually had surgery where they had to repair the ligament, and they likely had to do something with that meniscus as well. And that kind of makes the rehab a little bit longer. Um, I'm guessing anywhere between at least four to six months, maybe even longer. Um, he's been put on the NFI, which is the non-football injury list, which, and the reason for that is because he's coming out of college. So they don't technically consider the collegiate injuries and surgeries that occurred to be part of the NFL. So it's a non-football. They, it was before he was drafted. It's a non-football injury. But essentially, it's like being on the pup list, if you want to compare it to that. So um, he's, you know, going to be rehabbing, maybe doing some stuff on the side. But until he comes off that, uh, we won't see him doing any team drills and stuff. Now, there's been some videos that surfaced in March of him doing like squats with like 300 pounds on the bar. Whether or not that's actually an accurate thing and that was actually filmed in March is, is a whole nother issue. But um, it sounds to me like he's going to be on schedule. So I would expect at some point during training camp, they'll put him on the active roster and he'll be able to participate in team drills. We'll have to see. And, and for those of you, maybe you don't, you're not a nerd like me and you don't follow fantasy football throughout the off season. And you're just now getting back in the swing of things. as training camps coming up. Kendrick Miller. The reason why that name is a big deal is because we don't know exactly what the availability of Alvin Kamara is going to be due to a maybe suspension. I don't even know what to think in that situation anymore. We haven't even heard like usually with players, we have some quarter of inkling is the NFL even considering some sort of suspension. We got nothing 
coming out of the NFL when it comes to Alvin Kamara. I have no idea what's happening. I just took him in a, a, a mirror league, Scott Fishbowl league in the eighth round. Cause I was like, well, now we're running into territory where maybe he doesn't even get suspended or if he does, it's only two games. It's not even six. So now I'm taking the value on him. Keep your eye on that. But if he were to get suspended, Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams would presumably be a committee. So that's why it was kind of important there. And of course he was a high dynasty pick in rookie leagues as well. Let's get to some wide receivers. 